It's a beautiful day and a fine time for healing. Podcast host Randy Fine, a narcissistic abuse expert and the author of the groundbreaking book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, and the captivating memoir, Cliff Edge Road, invites you into her sanctuary, a place where your physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being are all that matter. So put your feet up, relax, and enjoy today's show. And now, here's Randy. Good morning. Thank you for tuning in to listen to A Fine Time for Healing. I am your show host, Randy Fine. Um, let me remind you about my mobile app, Narcissistic Abuse Awareness. If you haven't gone there yet, you definitely want to, because it connects you with everything that I do pretty much as soon as I do it. So uh, if you want to listen to shows, you can listen to shows. If you want to read articles, just right after I post them, they will be there. Everything that I do is going to be there. So take a second, download it, and just have it on your phone for convenience. I'm going to talk to you today about the topic of love. And the reason I want to talk about this is because people who have been raised in families with a narcissistic parent do not have a healthy concept of love. And what happens is, um, so people will call me and they'll tell me their story and they'll say, you know, my mother called me names, my mother this, my mother that, my father this, my father that. But I love them and I do believe they love me. But for my whole entire life, this is what I went through. I had no self-esteem. They ignored me. Um, they scapegoated me. But I love them, and I believe they love me. You know, this is so sad because parents are supposed to love children, and children are supposed to love parents. But to me, love is not love unless it is unconditional. And the, the love that's given by a parent with narcissistic abuse, narcissistic personality um, disorder is not unconditional love. So the love that we feel from our parents or think we feel from our parents is just basically coming from the fact that they are our parents and we are supposed to love them and they are supposed to love us. Narcissists do not have the ability to love they can't love their children. They can't love their family. They can't love their part partners. They can't love their spouses. It's impossible. So I also hear a lot, you know, so I've been with so-and-so for 15 years. He loves me and I love him, but, and then the whole list of abuse. And so I usually ask them, so what does love mean to you? What do you think love is? And I get silence because people don't generally know. They just hear the word. And that's the same thing with the narcissist. They know that the word love is associated with hugs and kisses and maybe compliments and maybe something nice after it. But that's about it. It's an act. They can't love. It's not possible. The false self that protects the narcissist does not have the ability to love. It's robotic. And the person inside, the true self, is so self-loathing. It can't even love itself. So it certainly can't love anybody else. You know, love, this is a hard thing, you know, because even in relationships, love is 
characterized by the overwhelming feeling that we have in the beginning of the relationship. We've all experienced that giddy feeling. And when we're falling in love or we think we're falling in love, it is the best feeling in the world. And it does stimulate the oxytocin in our brain. So it is a drug. Love is a drug. True love is a drug or love that we perceive as love is a drug. And it is very intoxicating. But genuine love is not a feeling, but rather the act of what happens once those giddy feelings, those butterflies inside of us stop fluttering. It's the act of commitment. The choice we make to commit ourselves to another person is what allows us to make the transition from falling in love, which is a feeling, to the act of genuine love. Those of us who have been victimized by narcissists who have captured us and kept us hostage uh, under the guise that it's a romantic relationship, we do believe that there was, there's love. You know, and we can love that person. We really can love that person. But what we're really loving is the facade of that person. We're not really loving the true person. And that facade changes, which is why when you describe loving that person, you're up and down with your descriptions because sometimes it feels like you're being loved and sometimes it feels like you're not. The narcissist doesn't have the capacity to love and their capacity to act as if they love is very temporary. It's not a natural feeling for them. It's not a natural act for them. They have to put on a show. And if you think about the narcissist, which develops in childhood, they study human nature, human behavior from the time they're before or around the ages of 18 years old up until the time they're an adult. That's a lot of years of studying something. Any of us, if we studied any subject for that amount of time, we would be experts at it. So the narcissist studies human nature. They know how to act so that you don't realize it's an act. And I use the word seamless. It is seamless. So when you felt this giddy feeling in the beginning that you thought was love and you were told was love, and you're now on this high that this person loves you so much and you love this person so much, you believe this is going to last forever. And in most normal relationships, that infatuation stage does go away and it becomes contentment. Um, It becomes knowing that somebody is there for you. It's a lifetime thing that grows the longer you're together. A A relationship is about growth between two people. You can't have growth with a narcissist. There is no growth. And you'll find that if you think about your relationships, you will find that you have not grown since the very first day you met this person. There is no growth. You are always backpedaling. They're always building you up and knocking you down. So how can you get anywhere with that? That is not love. But they know this. So in the beginning, when they love bomb you, they want you to believe that they are in love with you. And they do that. Because they must capture hostages to feed on. And when I say feed on, I mean narcissistic supply. So narcissistic supply is their lifeblood, their drug, their heroin. They cannot live without it for a second. And that is admiration 
adoration and attention. They'll take these things any way they can get them. They'll take them through reaction. They'll take them through cussing them out. Anything is a reaction. They'll take them through the effect that it has on you and you getting into a depression. Whatever it is, if you're reacting in some way, you are feeding the narcissist. So that is what the goal of the narcissist is, the mosquito, the tick, the parasite who has one, one goal in life and one goal in every waking moment. And that is to capture narcissistic supply because when they don't have it, they go to that self-loathing place and they don't want to go there. That's why they built this facade, this, this false self around them. So they're going to do anything to prevent that. So in the beginning, when they're wooing their potential victim hostage, they are going to create a love scenario. And you will never have felt as much love as you're feeling from this person, ever. And you don't want it to go away. It checks every list. This person is, hits on every single thing that you have ever wanted in a person. And you cannot believe you finally found him or her. But you know... What you don't realize is they are interviewing you and getting you to tell them all about yourself because you finally feel comfortable. This is the best friend you have ever had, and you are telling them everything. They do this because that's how they know what facade to take on, what personality to have, and it's geared towards each person. The person you think you know and love is not the same person anyone else who has had a relationship with this person, has known and loved. The abuse, yes, that you will have in common. But the personality, no, because it's geared towards you. So you've fallen in love with this person, and you believe this person has fallen in love with you, and it moves very fast. They want to move fast because they can't do this for very long. That's why they push and they push and they push to try to get you to either let them move in or to tell them you love them or to get engaged or to quickly elope and get married because they can't keep this up very long. So once you do what they're looking for, once that pivotal moment happens where you either express your love and commitment, you either move in together or one of the thing, other things that I said that's when the narcissist doesn't have to do it anymore. They've already done their work. And that's the hardest thing they will ever have to do because the rest of it is just second nature. It's abuse. It's abuse, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> it's abuse in so many different ways. Some you may know, notice, some you may not. Most of them you will not. And the ones that you notice, you'll be talked out of. So you're never going to believe the abuse. You're always going to doubt it. And the reason you're doubting it, <clears throat> one, because you're a rational person and what you're experiencing doesn't make sense. But two, this is not the person that represented themselves to you. This is not the person that fell in love with you. And this person who loved every single thing about you, everything, all the things that you thought, think were false, they thought were cute. Now they're all false. And you can't understand, where did this person go? I know that person existed. I, I spent weeks, months, maybe even years with this person, seeing a personality that I loved and a personality of someone 
that loved me. So, well, let's rationalize this. Well, maybe he's, he or she is going through something. Maybe they're depressed. Maybe they have an issue that they're not sharing with me and they're just going through something. Okay, so I'm going to be a little more compassionate and understanding. So when they abuse me, when they emotionally abuse me, when they call me names, when they gaslight me, when they tell me I'm worthless, when they tell me I can't do anything right, it's just them going through something. And I'm just going to be super understanding during that time. They want. Why do you think they do it? Because this is supply. You get nicer. You get easier to deal with. And you give them supply. And this could go on for a while. You know, this, this keeps going on and on and on. And every time you confront them with it, I, you know, I'm, it really feels like you're putting me down. Why would you say that you're the one? You're the one that's, that, that hates yourself. You're so sensitive. You're, you know, you're always thinking it's me. It's you, not me. So after a while, you begin to believe it is you. You have been told so many times that you are flawed that you believe it because you, it has to be true. Why would someone who loves you continually say that? And they may say, I'm just giving you concrete or, you know, suggestions. I'm giving you suggestions that, we're go- that are going to make you better. No, they're not. They're putting you down. But it's, go- it's disguised as love and caring and con- you know, consideration. So you buy into that. But then the abuse keeps going on. And you say to yourself, well, okay, I tried that. I tried being easygoing. I tried being super nice. I tried being super understanding, but it's still going on. So let me try something else. Maybe if I just shower him or her with love, so much so that they cannot deny that I love them, maybe that person will come back. But the person doesn't. And the abuse continues. And then you rationalize something else. Well, maybe, I don't know, maybe I need to back off a little bit. Maybe I need to give him or her space. So you do that. And the abuse continues. And, you know, some people go on for years and years and years blind to this. People can be married 30, 40, 50 years and be blind to this because they saw a person they loved and they want that person back, and they're not willing to accept the fact that that person is not there. But why should they believe that? Why should they believe that person is not there? That person was there. This is not normal. This is not the way normal people act. When you meet somebody who you like and they like you, there's a progression. There's a natural progression. It's not all at once. It's not sudden. And if it is, big red flag, big red flag. Everything should go slow. So, so let's talk about what love is. True love is not an emotion. It is not words. So somebody can say, but I love you. No, it is the act of giving of oneself to lift up the other and meet that person's needs. That is what love is. So if they're saying it but not doing it, that is not love. To love someone means always wanting the best for that person. It is the unconditional commitment we make to that person, to stand faithfully by the person's side through all the ups and downs. Well, when you have ups and downs with a narcissist, they're not faithfully by your side. You are alone. You are isolated. You are iced out 
through the silent treatment. You are raged at. The ups and downs are not worked through, and they're not accepted. They react in a very harsh way to punish you. So that's supposed to get you back in line. It's like a whip (laughs) to get you back in line. Love is giving and taking, being strong when the other person is weak and allowing the other person to be strong for us when we are weak. When you are with a narcissist, you cannot be weak. You're not allowed to be weak. You're not allowed to have times where you are needy because you're called on that. You're selfish, you're needy, you're sensitive. So there's never a time where you can be needy. The narcissist is always needy, but you cannot be needy ever. Love is seeing past someone's faults to the beauty that lies within. Well, you're seeing the beauty in that person. You are overlooking a lot to see the beauty in that person. But that person is not looking inside you at all. They don't know who you are. You are an object. They don't know or care about who you are, what you like, what you want to do with your life, how you feel. They don't care. Love means believing in your partner advocating for that person and defending your partner's honor. Well, how many times have you defended your narcissist's honor? Many, many times. How many times have you covered up for your narcissist? Because you just don't want people to see that side of that person because that's embarrassing. And then that means something's wrong with you that you're with that person. So you cover it up. So you defend your partner's honor. They never defend your honor. They throw you under the bus any chance they can. They humiliate you in front of other people. So this is not love. You know, all these, as I say all these things, I'm, they do apply to family issues. They do apply to parent-child issues. Because, like, for instance, love is seeing past someone's faults to the beauty that lies within. Well, narcissistic parents do not see children for who they are. They are objects. They're supply. They grow their own supply so that they have them there to feed on. And it's all the time. Loving someone means wanting the best for him or her. The unconditional commitment we make to another person to be faithful. When there's ups and downs with your family, with your parent, again, who gets thrown under the bus? You. So what I'm saying is all these things apply both ways. Love means caring deeply about someone's spiritual growth. And I don't mean woo-woo spiritual growth. I just mean the person having a connection to something larger than themselves, whatever that may be. And to encourage that they do that in a healthy way, in whatever way they are comfortable doing that. Narcissists will use spiritual things and religion to abuse you more. They'll cite things from the Bible. They'll cite Psalms. They'll cite everything that they can think of to prove that they're right and you're wrong. And that, if you don't toe the line, you're not going to heaven. You're not going to like where you're going. So you better do it. And they scare you. Love takes many forms, but the root of all love is selflessness. Selflessness. Have you ever met a narcissist that was selfless? You are. That's what got you into this to begin with. You are selfless. You're not concerned about yourself. You're concerned about that person. But that person is not concerned about you. And you will never see demonstrations of selflessness. What you may see is them acting in charitable ways outside 
of the home outside of the partnership. They will be, they'll volunteer. They'll be involved in the church or synagogue. Um, They'll be the first one to help somebody in an accident. Uh, So many things. Because people always say to me, well, I've seen this really, really giving side from the person. Yes, they give because they get something from it. They're not giving just because they have the heart to give. No, (laughs) it gives them what they need. People fawn over them for what they're doing. So it's attention, adoration, and admiration that they get through these charitable. Some of them work for charities. You know, Ted Bundy worked for a, um, a crisis helpline. He was there talking to people, guiding people on a crisis helpline. Um, he's in a different category. He is not a narcissist, but it's just kind of an example of, you know, what they do. Just because they do it doesn't mean that they are doing it for the right reasons. And if you examine it, you will find that there is something about it they're getting off on. They may tell you, they may not tell you, but if you look at the scenario, you'll see there is something they're getting off on. So they are not truly selfless. You cannot be in a relationship with someone who does not consider you. When they love you, they love you in a selfless way. Otherwise, if you're loved in a selfish way, it's not love. It's conditional. And we go round and round with this word love. To genuinely love someone, we must be willing and ready to attend to the person's needs, regardless of how we are feeling. We must have the discipline to set our own agenda aside and shift our attention to the other person at a moment's notice. We must be willing to extend ourselves beyond the comforts of our own limits to nurture the other person. Yeah, I hear you all saying, I do that. Absolutely, I do that. So let me ask you, does your narcissist do that? Do they attend to your needs willingly, regardless of how they're feeling? Or do they have excuses? I can't believe you're asking me to do that. I have a headache. I don't want to do that. Do they ever set their own agenda aside for you? I doubt it. And if they do, it's because they want something from you. Do they have the ability to shift their attention away from their own issues and to you in a moment's notice if you need it? If you're crying, does that person come to your side to comfort you in a way that you feel comforted? So I'm going to go back to talking about romantic love because um, this is a journey of teamwork. It is two people, 100%, 100% that have a friendship and they are committed. No matter what happens, they will work through it because they are committed. Love is the act of two people with separate identities who are fully secure and capable of living without each other, making the choice to share their lives with each other. You notice I said making the choice. We don't want to marry or get into a relationship with someone that's not a whole person because that will not work. It won't work. It'll be a struggle and you have your own struggles. So if you're in a relationship with somebody who's depressed or has chronic anxiety or whatever, and you're always having to coddle that person because you are that kind of person that cares, you're at their side. You're never going to focus on you and what you need. You need someone to care for you. This is confusing to most people. And most, well, I'll say many, (laughs) um, 
people involved in these relationships and who come, especially who come from childhood narcissistic abuse, they are codependent. Their life is about helping and fixing others, deflecting off of themselves their pain so that they can fix other people. They want to be there for other people. They are right by their side anytime they're needed. And they will give up their self to do this. And the way that you can tell that you're doing this is that every time you have to do it, you're going to feel depleted because you're giving something that you don't have. And what you don't have is self-love, self-commitment. So that is running, you know, getting by, um, rushing by someone's side to fix them. But before you get into a relationship, if that's the kind of person that you are, and listen, I was one for many years. Until I realized I was one, I kept repeating my patterns, and it was so painful. Uh, but if you, if you know that you are one, or if you've been reading about it, or you're listening to what I say, and you go, hmm, that sure sounds like me, you need to fix that before you get into a relationship. It won't work. Codependent relationships won't work. And often, codependents get involved with codependents. How is that going to work? It can't. It can't. So it's teamwork. It's two committed, two whole people coming together that are fully secure and capable of living without each other, making the choice to share their lives with each other. It's not about, I can't be alone. I need somebody. It's not going to work. It is not going to work. And if you've been down this rabbit hole a few times, probably several times, and you're tired of it, this is so important for you to know. A healthy, loving relationship can only exist when the individuality of each partner is honored and sustained. It can only grow in a soil of respect and acceptance. Respect and acceptance. How often do you get that from your narcissist, from your partner, from your parent? Respect and acceptance? Oh, no. No, no, no. And the individuality of you is never honored and sustained. So this cannot grow. In a romantic relationship or marriage, love is trusting and kind. Our partner, by allowing the person the freedom to live his or her life and have space without feeling threatened by the person's choices. We're not tapping each other's phones. We're not stealing it and looking through the texts or phone calls to see if they're cheating on us. We trust the person. We're not putting trackers on their car. We're not bugging their computer and their emails. And trust me, this goes on all the time. You may not realize it. They will put bugs in the house. So everything you say, they're, they're watching you. They're listening to you. And you'll know this because they'll bring it up. Just said this to somebody and they will bring it up. They are watching you. They are listening to you. And they are looking through your stuff when you're not there because they need to know how to abuse you and what to accuse you of. They're going to find something to accuse you of, something. If you talk to a friend, a male friend, if you're a woman and you talk to a male friend or you've texted with a male friend, you're cheating. If you're a man and you've talked to or texted with or faced a female friend, You're cheating, and you will be accused of this. So love is the freedom to give the other person their space and trust that they're they're not be threatened by the choices that that person is making. And once love settles in, once it becomes true love, real love, I'm not talking about giddy love. I'm not talking about love bombs 
you know, and that oxytocin and the, the fires, the fireworks that are going off in your brain, that's not going to last. And if you expect it to, you're going to be very disappointed. Um, and the, the allurement and fluency of real love will constantly ebb and flow. There'll be times when you are so in love with that person. There'll be times when you wish they'd go away. But it will always come back. You, do, you love that person. You just sometimes you love them more. And it will ebb and flow. True love means staying committed to the other person through all the ups and downs of the relationship. Sticking it out no matter what emotions we are feeling or what rough patches our relationship is going through. Now, I don't want you to take that the wrong way. Because staying committed through all the ups and downs of the relationship, sticking it out no matter what emotions we are feeling, what rough patches we are going through. This is a two-way street. Yes, you are doing these things. Absolutely, you are doing these things because you have to. If you don't hold this relationship up, you don't have one. So the other person is supposed to be doing the same for you, being committed through all the ups and downs, not getting on your case for something you did wrong or something you're going through or being there when you have a family member who's sick or, or dying or has died, and then they turn their back on you. They're supposed to be there for all you go through, right by your side. Love is about making the other person laugh when that person really wants to cry. When you're upset, trying to make you, trying to bring humor to it, or crying along with them. It's about nursing them when they're sick, holding them and telling them everything will be okay, even when you are not sure it will. So these are things that you are doing. Absolutely, you are doing them. But just take a second and evaluate your situation. Are you getting back what you're giving? And maybe in your life, you've never gotten back what you gave. Maybe starting in childhood, you had to be a pleaser. You had to be a fixer. You had to be the family counselor. You had to calm everybody down. It's always been one-sided for you. You don't even know what it's like to receive it. And if you don't know what it's like to receive it, then there's work that has to be done before you get into a relationship. Because if you get into a relationship and you start not receiving it and you just go on autopilot, fixing and pleasing and helping and, you know, everything, um, you're going to be back in the same situation. That's not what you do. As a matter of fact, I tell people when they begin dating again, the, the test really is, it's a discipline really, uh, that when you're with somebody, if they're giving something to you, if they're being generous in some way, don't be generous back. Just say thank you. You know how hard that is? And I'm sure you do. When somebody gives you a compliment, when somebody does something for you, you tend to want to do it twice as much. So true love, to be in a true relationship, a true mutual loving relationship means that you, you have to be able to accept things without feeling the need to overgive. So important. Um, you know, when I work with people, there's so many different issues that come up around narcissistic abuse. And many times it can go from childhood to relationships, to being, figuring out how to be out in the world, and then to dating. These are all things that I help people through. Some people I help through all of them. Some people have certain stages. Some are going through divorces. Some are going through parental alienation. 
But these are all stages that uh, people go through with narcissistic abuse. So it's not just fixing one little thing. It's understanding how to function in this world as a healthy person. It's not a codependent because people can smell that on you. When you are a doormat, everyone knows it. And you're going to wonder, why is everybody always taking advantage of me? I'm so good to them. I do everything for them. And they can't do one thing for me. Why is that? And you get angry. You get upset about that because you're doing so much. Well, the person didn't ask you to do these things. You're doing it because you need, you have a need to do that. So you need to fix these things before getting into a relationship or you're going to be preyed upon by people. And in every facet of your life, whether it work or friendship, you're going to notice people do not respect you. If you don't have boundaries and you're too giving, you don't know when to say no, people are going to take advantage of you constantly. And you're going to be really upset and angry about that. But that's the reason that it's happening. Love is about taking over for the person and staying positive when the person's in a crisis and cannot function the way the person normally does. You know, um, and I'll just tell this brief story, but when I first married my husband, um, about a year afterwards, I had a complete breakdown, physical breakdown. I couldn't function. My muscles didn't work. I wasn't eating. I lost tons of weight. I was going from doctor to doctor. Nobody knew what was wrong with me. I was going to weird gurus trying to get some kind of holistic help that the doctors couldn't figure out. And I had a three-year-old daughter, a four-year-old daughter at the time. And my husband took over my life. He did everything. Plus, he helped me. He got me where I needed to go. He made sure I had what I needed. He was there to comfort me. At the same time, he was taking over for all the things that I normally did. And somehow I think I knew that before I fell apart because I never could do that before. I had to hold up the world my entire life for almost 30 years. I had to hold up the world. I held up my parents. I held up my siblings. I held up my friends. I held up my partners. I held up my first husband, everybody, people, my coworkers. I held up my coworkers and I just kept trudging along because I was so strong. I could do this. I wasn't strong. I was codependent. So I knew for the first time in my life ever, I didn't have to hold the world up. And I fell apart. Everything that had been going on in my entire life, it just all, I was just able to fall apart for the first time ever. So, um, and that was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Love thrives on flexibility, open communication, and tactful, honest expression of feelings. Tactful. I don't think I have to say any more about that. <laughs> Flexibility, open communication, and tactful, honest expression of feelings. Love means fair fighting when there are disagreements, not holding on to resentments or mudslinging. Have you ever met a narcissist that doesn't hold on to a resentment? They're going to remind you of that years from now because they have this little storage bag that they keep on their side, and they put all this stuff in there, and they pull it out when they need to. They have the greatest memories. They remember everything you ever say or do. The other thing that's really interesting about narcissists, and you may have even noticed this, is they won't let you know necessarily that they're holding on to things. Yes, they may rage. Yes, they may go into the silent treatment and ice you out. 
But in many cases, right after you've had an argument and you've called them every name you can think of, bad ones, it's been the knockdown, drag out fight. You, they've said horrible things to you. You've said horrible things to them. The next morning, it's as if nothing happened. It's gone. Unless they choose to use it to punish you. And the punishing would be through rage or the silent treatment. Love means saying you're sorry and meaning it when you have hurt the one you love or being able to genuinely forgive your partner who is truly sorry for what that person has done. <laughs> Narcissist saying, I'm sorry, it just does not happen. You may think it's happening because they will word it in ways that make you think they're saying Deep inside, you know it's not an apology, but they're saying it. And they can, they'll tell you later, well, I apologize. What more do you want from me? The apology will go something like this. I'm so sorry if you took what I said the wrong way. I'm so sorry that you got mad when I was just telling you something helpful. In both of these cases, they are not taking responsibility. So they're not sorry. They're saying, I'm sorry, and then they're following it up by an accusation or a blaming or a shaming. But they will insist they have apologized. So listen for this. Real love cannot be bought. It's the act of giving of ourselves in a healthy way, lifting others up in a healthy way, and always wanting the best for those we care about. Love is not always beautiful, and it is not always easy. There is no fairy tale. It doesn't exist. Love requires us to push our own needs to the side in the best interest of someone else, no matter the type of relationship we are in. And selfless loving, unconditional love is imperative when it comes to parenting. Parents must, must keep their own needs, fears, and personal troubles separate from the interaction they have with their children. This is crucial to the child's healthy emotional development. So, when, you're, when a child is falling apart and going through something, the parent can't go through something because of that. My mother did this all the time. If I was hurting, she hurt more. Oh, I'm so upset. I'm so depressed. I can't sleep. Well, how's that helping me, Mom? But I didn't realize it because I thought the fact that she was so or seemed so empathetic that it affected her on such a deep level that she did care. But looking back, once I realized what was going on with all of this narcissistic stuff, I saw that. Oh, my gosh. She never helped me. She just fell apart. That is not what a parent needs to do. A parent is not supposed to take your problems and make bigger problems for themselves or suffer over it. They're supposed to be solid and help you through it. That's so important. Children need to know that when they have an issue, they can go and talk to the parents. So parents must love children selflessly, unconditionally. They have to keep their own needs, fears, and personal troubles separate from the interactions they have with their children. And personal troubles, that is, when that's done all the time, that's parentification. That's making the child an equal partner in your life. That is taking a child who should not know what adult issues are and laying all the adult issues on you. Another thing that's going to mess you up. Another thing you're going to have to work through when you get to be an adult. Love is not meant to be contained. For love to grow and expand, you must reach out to the comfort 
zones of family, friends, pets. You have to have that freedom, not be isolated. Love grows when it's shared with family. When they tell you it's you and them against the world, it may sound very romantic, but it's control and isolation. That's what it really is. Guised under, I love you so much and I want to protect you. And let's talk about self-love because cultivating self-love is the tallest mountain you will ever have to climb. Yet it is at the core of everything you do. You cannot truly love another unless you can first love yourself. It is not selfish or narcissistic to love yourself as long as you're doing it with humility and the desire to share it with others. Self-love is kind, gentle, forgiving, and understanding. It's about accepting yourself for who you are, what you look like, and where you have come from. It's about knowing who you are and what you stand for, you, not measuring yourself against everyone else. No, what you stand for. And it's about being light, laughing at yourself when you are less than perfect. In other words, all the time. So in closing, think about all the ways you give and receive love in your life. Do you love others in a way that lifts them up, empowers them? Is your love unconditional and kind? Do you allow others to love you in a healthy way? So it's time to really evaluate the situation that you're in. Take a look at it. With this information, with these tips, take another look at it. If you can, sometimes it's really hard to look at it because to look at it means that, well, to accept it means that this relationship cannot continue because it's not going to change. It's not going to get better. So sometimes it's really hard to take these things and look at them. You've seen them. You've felt them. You felt them in the core of your soul, in your solar plexus, in your gut. You have felt all of these things and not even realized what was going on because they were negated by your narcissist. They were just smoothed over so you wouldn't hold on to them. And you wanted to believe that because why wouldn't you? You don't want this relationship to end. You love this person. You love the person you fell in love with. It may not be a real person, but you do love the person you fell in love with. You don't want to leave. And you're hoping, hope upon hope, that that person will come around. That if you do this, or if you do that, or if you say this, or if you don't say that, or under any circumstance, or if you move away, or whatever, if your children are better, act better, you're going to get the person back. And I'm telling you, if you see these signs, if all these things that I've told you about love do not exist. It is not going to be get to get better. It will not ever get better. And it will probably get worse. And you deserve more than that. You deserve love. You deserve to love yourself. You deserve to be loved by others in a healthy way. So think about that. Think about that. Um, and if you pick up a copy of my book, Close Encounters of the Worst Kind, The Narcissistic Abuse Survivor's Guide to Healing and Recovery, Um, Everything that I talked about will be in there, especially the self-love. And the other thing that um, people have a hard time with is negative self-talk, limited beliefs. And there's a whole chapter on limited beliefs, things that you tell yourself to punish yourself. And they're not even real. All they are is programming, old programming. So um, thank you for listening today. May joy and serenity always be yours. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Visit randyfine.com, R-A-N-D-I-F-I-N-E.com, 
and be sure to sign up to receive updates on the latest blog posts, events, and upcoming shows. Thank you for listening.